Hello, and welcome back to the Hush and Be Bold podcast. You're listening to episode five. And today I am talking with Kirsty Taylor, who is a dating and relationship expert, writer, coach, who has grown a huge internet following through her essays, her writing, as well as her TikToks and reels. She has also released a brand new book called What I Wish I Knew About Love. So what I really like about Kirsty is that she does a lot of content for both the singles out there who are just getting started in dating or getting their foot back out there, as well as people who are in relationships, in love, and how to show up better for your partner, for yourself, and how to just appreciate each other and each other's attachment styles. So in this episode, we have such a good conversation about dating apps, the idea of burnout and dating apps, which was something that's a little bit new to me, um, what's important during the beginning stages of dating and getting to know someone. We talk about whether or not you should try to change your partner and what that can do in a relationship. So you're going to walk away from this episode with a better outlook and perspective on how to date, how to date intentionally, and also how you can reflect on yourself and how you're showing up in relationships or dating. I got so much out of this episode. I know you are going to as well. Kirsty's words have helped me so much throughout the years. So I am so very honored to have this conversation with Kirsty, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it as well. It is so nice to have you on. I think as we were just discussing before, I personally have been a fan of your dating advice on Instagram and TikTok. I love the content that you put out. It's just so important to have these conversations and insight and information in the dating world because it is so freaking hard. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of your stuff too. I think your content is hilarious, even though I technically don't work for anyone but myself. I still think it's all really funny and great. Oh, shucks. We're all working in one way or another. But I, I think we actually had an overlap too on the thought catalog because I have been reading some of your stuff throughout the years and I, I hadn't even known it was you at the time. So it's nice that we became mutuals because of that small connection from the thought catalog. Yeah, it is. I know. I was just, I just saw you post something again with them and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. And for those of you that don't know Thought Catalog, they're truly one of the largest expression, article, self-published uh, catalogs, you know, to date. I think they have millions and millions of unique monthly viewerships. So I'm curious, Kirsty, what was your start into writing, into relationships? Like, what was your journey to get from where you were to where you are now? Right. So my journey actually did start with writing. I wrote on a website called Medium, and then I also wrote on Thought Catalog, as you already plugged. <laughs> um, so I was writing for both of those. And actually, I should back up a bit, is that I was working as a technical recruiter for a company, and I really was quite horrible at it. And I, it kind of coincided that losing my job at that company, which I saw it coming, like I was pretty horrible. Um, losing my job at that company coincided with this really bad breakup that I went through that was right after another really bad breakup that I went through. And so between um, being unemployed and kind of realizing that I was just making these same dating mistakes, I took like this year break from dating to figure out what I wanted to do with my dating life and why I kept making those mistakes. And then I also took a part-time nanny job because I also wanted to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and not just jump back into another career I didn't love. So during that time, I started writing about my experiences with dating on Medium and Thought Catalog. 
And it just picked up traction. People liked it. People resonated with it. And everything kind of just snowballed from there. Wow. Well, I love the fact that you talk about how you know you had this full-time job um, and then you took your life into your own hands and started to figure out what really did spark you and did interest you. So did you feel like you knew right away? How did it evolve? I mean, were you just Uh, Was it something that naturally started to happen the more you did it? Or what helped you kind of take that push to going into it full time? Right. Yeah. So no, it definitely started with writing 100%. The coaching's actually fairly new. I started coaching in January of this year. Um, But the writing is really just what what took off. I just loved reading and learning about it. And then I guess I just was really good at translating it into like a very digestible way for other people to... Um, learn the lessons and learn about things like attachment theory and self-sabotage and all of that. I was able to, um, you know, talk about my own experiences and teach people about it through my articles. And I guess, you know, between not really being scared of like having a filter or anything, like kind of just sharing my own experiences and talking about that, it all just, like I said, snowballed into getting into uh, getting my book deal and then getting onto TikTok and things like blew up from there. And then I started to do the dating coaching and everything. Um, so I had no idea that I would really get into dating specifically until maybe like six months of writing every single day, basically. But once I kind of actually, there was a point at which I was like, I am never going to be a dating coach or I'm never going to be that dating wow. relationship person. And you know, it's actually because I wasn't seeing the type of dating advice that I now give to people and stuff. And there are a lot of other people now that TikTok's such a big thing. There are a lot of other people that give similar dating advice. But in my mind, I was like, I'm not going to be this like Carrie Bradshaw, which I do love. I love Sex in the City. I'm not going to be like this Carrie Bradshaw giving like crappy, jaded dating advice. Um, and yeah, so that's, I was like, I'm not going to get just into dating and relationships. But then I realized, oh no, there's this whole other sector that I really loved of dating and relationships. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm sticking to this. I love it. Let's go. And I love that you say that too, because you say, yes, there is a lot of people on Instagram or TikTok or in just the World Wide Web giving advice. But again, there is always someone out there that needs to hear it from your voice or your experiences might spark someone and just be the words or be the information or inspiration that they needed to hear. Um, so truly, and my friends and myself, I can contest that. I, I still don't think there's enough out there on relationships and dating. It's just so hard. And especially even just the culture that it is today with dating, um, it, it, it can feel kind of paralyzing to even know how to start. Um, so I'm curious, I want to ask you a whole bunch of questions on dating and relationships and advice. And I also want to talk about your book, but I am curious, what is your relationship status? What is your history with dating? Um, and how has that kind of helped you today? Yeah. So my relationship status is that I am in a relationship. I'm in a relationship with, yes, thank you. (laughs) With a guy I've been dating now for three, over three years um, he actually, I met him. Well, we were friends before, but we started dating right at the end of my year break from dating, um, that I mentioned previously. Mm-hmm. Um, but my experience with dating, he's like the first healthy person I've dated. And I say healthy, you know, that's so subjective and everything, but just healthy in the sense of like, 
I can be myself with him. I can, he's a great communicator. Um, we're emotionally available to each other. So I define healthy in that sense. But my dating past was very, I was a 100% a serial monogamist. I'm not sure how I did it, even of like, I would just get into one relationship after another. And some people are like, oh, I don't, I don't understand how some people can always be in relationships. Like, I can barely get a date. And I'm like, both ends of the spectrums are bad. <laughs> Neither is a great thing. Like, I was not in healthy relationships and taking the time I needed to really process this stuff. Um, so that was my my dating history. Um, very avoidantly attached exes, emotionally unavailable. I hate to use the word like narcissistic because I'm not a therapist. I can't, you know, diagnose someone, mm-hmm. but some at least one person who meets all that criteria. Um, but taking that year break from dating definitely helped me change what I was attracted to. And I'm so glad because now I'm with a very amazing partner who treats me really well. Uh, I think that's everyone's goal in life too. If they are intentionally dating is to have, you know, these experiences in the past where we finally can look back and think, okay, all of, all of that was worth it in a way because it was teaching me lessons or is guiding me to the person that I'm with today. So I love to hear that. And it's, um, you know, I, I, I follow coaches and, and experts who are both in relationships and out of relationships. And I think it's really interesting, but I also love the perspective of somebody who can confidently say, yes, I am in a happy, healthy, beautiful, loving relationship or however you want to yeah. describe it. <laughs> um, so I'm curious because you've released a book and that book is, is actually called or titled What I Wish I Knew About Love. So talk me through a little bit about the book and uh, what people can really get from reading this book. Yeah. So I kind of created the book off of the idea, again, that I just wasn't seeing a lot of books or guidance on relationships and dating, um, the kind of advice that I that I needed, right? So I went through all of that that I already explained with all those unhealthy relationships. And especially during like when we were in our early 20s, even like 18, 19, there just wasn't like really anything for us no. to consume that gave us good dating advice. You know, people were well-intentioned, TV shows needed to you know, make things spicy, but like we did not have that guide on how to be, how to date, how to be in a relationship, how to love ourselves when we're actually single. So my book kind of goes, my book kind of goes through all of those different stages. The first part is, you know, getting over breakups, moving past heartbreak, and then it gets into a self-love section and then how to date um, in a way to find a fulfilling relationship and then how to actually have that first relationship. Um, and ensure that it thrives. So it's kind of for everyone. It's I, I also like to think of it as that book that you can come back to. You can read the certain section that applies to you at the time. And also it's that book that you can lend to a friend who's in a certain specific or a certain situation or point in their life that might be a little bit different than yours. So I just like to think of it as like, you know, that big sister that we all wish we had our big brother or big whoever <laughs> to what we all wish we had that had um a little bit better dating advice. Yes. I I'm, am so excited to read the book when I get the chance and I'll list it as well in the show notes for everyone. But you're so right about that. I even remember when I was in, let's say high school, um, even up to my uh college days, I think we had these magazines, or I might have been even younger, but I remember reading the 17 magazine and it was like top five ways to ask out your crush or 
your crush might be doing this if he's secretly into you. And it's like, okay, I know somebody in the editorial space is just writing this based on, you know, funny things that they've seen in a movie or whatever it might be. Um, so it's just, it's wonderful that you give a resource to, for people that genuinely want to um, date better or find love in, in a more intentional way. So um, something you mentioned is self-love and self-love is a big buzzword for a reason. I'm a huge advocate of self-love, but I'm curious, what does self-love mean to you and how does it play a role in dating? Yeah. So self-love, I don't, I'm not going to be this person that's like, oh, you must love yourself to find a relationship or you must love yourself first to find a relationship or you have to always love yourself or any of that, you know, Mm -hmm. self-love also includes being like, you know, sometimes I feel shitty. Sometimes I'm, I'm down on myself, you know, like rejection sucks. Like, you know, sometimes I think what's wrong with me. Self-love is like also acknowledging those parts of yourself and giving yourself some compassion or feeling those feelings that kind of suck. Um, But I really define, you know, self-love in terms of dating as it's more than just, you know, coming home from a crappy date, calling your friends and getting in a bath and like eating your favorite piece Mm -hmm. of cake. I mean, that I definitely say, you know, that can be great. But it's also things like creating boundaries, asking for your needs, reflecting on your dating life and understanding where you want to create change. Um, It just goes so much deeper than, I guess, self-care necessarily. Self-love is making those intentional choices in your dating life, even though it might not look what up it might not look like what everyone else is doing, but it's making those intentional choices to help keep yourself sane during dating because it's already a vulnerable, hard process. And um, yeah, loving yourself along the journey and taking that intentionality and everything is super important. Yeah. And it's, it's so strange, at least for me, I can do self-love alone. And I'm like, yes, I got to take care of myself, set boundaries yada, yada, uh, make myself priority, all those great things. But sometimes when it comes to relationships or dating, I find myself when I think about these self putting self love into relationships and dating is selfish or that I'm not thinking of the other person, but I think learning about it, it's actually much better for both parties. If we do put ourselves first, if we do still love ourselves First, while we are in this relationship or while we are building something with somebody. So Mm -hmm. um, what kind of advice would you give to those listening and and to me too, (laughs) for people that think that practicing self-love is selfish in a relationship? Yeah. So I almost like to think if we could like kind of reframe the self-love as even just showing up authentically in a relationship and dating um, and needing those things like boundaries, needs and all that for you to feel happy, right? Like the best thing you can do for another person is be happy, right? Like where you're mm-hmm. going to create their happiness. They can be happy around like a happy person, like, right? You want to be and feel like your best self um, around them. So the needs and the boundaries and everything like that is how you feel that way because without needs, without boundaries, stuff like that, you're going to create resentment for the other person. Um, you're going to feel unfulfilled in the relationship. You're not going to be fully authentic and like actually making choices that you want to be making. You'll be making choices that maybe will benefit their happiness but won't benefit yours. And then you're feeling resentment and everything. So it's just essentially what I'm getting at is, you know, um, Taking care of yourself 
in turn helps you show up for a relationship in the best way. Again, I'm not saying like you have to always be happy in your relationship. You can definitely be stressed. You can be sad. You can be all of that and lean on your person for support. Um, but pretending like you're happy, pretending like you're go with the flow, pretending like you don't have needs, you're only going to resent the other person and you're not going to be happy at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. add, and another thing is that, you know, if you create these needs and boundaries and the other person is like, heck no, like, I don't like this, then that's simply an incompatibility, you know? Yeah. And I agree that when your partner is also working on themselves and setting their boundaries, I mean, that's also super attractive and uh, super in- inspiring for you to want to practice self-love and, and, and be your best self or show up authentically, however you said it. So um, I I think it is, it's an important lesson to just learn that it's not selfish. And if if anything, it's better long-term for the relationship or, Mm -hmm. or if you're just starting to date. Um, So one thing I wanted to ask you, because you're seeing it, of course, maybe in your coaching, but also just in your general relationship advice, uh, what do you think is the hardest thing about dating in today's society and culture? Oh, geez. I mean, it's definitely dating apps. You know, Mm. I can can guess and think and talk about my own opinions, but by far it's dating apps because that's what I hear from people all the time. You know, dating apps are hard. You know, dating apps make people think that there's always someone better. I mean, I have this anecdote of hearing these two guys at Whole Foods in Venice talking about how like they found like a great girl, a great woman that he wanted to keep dating. The other guy was like, why settle down? Like there's so many options out there. And I was like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> you should have just popped in and be like, actually. <laughs> actually, yeah, this was this was like years ago. That okay. was before everything. But yeah, it's just wild. So yeah, dating apps. Dating apps 100% are the hardest part. It's so easy for people to uh, not hold themselves accountable for their actions. It's easy to feel like everything that happens on dating apps to you, like unmatching, ghosting, all that is super personal. Um, Yeah. And, you know, dating apps are addictive and dating apps, um, you know, are bad for our mental health. I'm not saying that dating apps are like this, like horrible thing that everyone should get off of, but it's definitely created. It's like um, a necessary, I don't want to say it's necessary, but it's just, uh, it has its good sides, but it has a lot of bad sides. Yeah, so true. And as I can personally attest, it is so difficult. And what's also challenging about it is that it's just, it's so prevalent. I mean, when people say, oh, are you dating? Their first or second thing they ask is, um, are you on the apps? And so it's mm-hmm. so prevalent in the dating world, but none of us really know what we're doing. Or like you said, it's easy to get exposed to rejection or ghosting or just all of these negative parts of it. So mm-hmm. it's hard yeah. in today's world working with the dating apps. Um, I'm curious, do you have any thoughts on how to go with the dating apps yeah. or have a more positive experience with them? What would you say? Yeah. So, you know, I think a big thing, and it's still because dating apps are so new. I think that someone said that Tinder recently had their 10 year anniversary. So if you could say like, oh, Tinder was like OG number one, you know, maybe there was like, I guess there's like eHarmony and stuff, but in terms of like our generation, Tinder Tinder was like OG. Um, So that means that all these other dating apps are not even 10 years old. So it's still very, very new. We're still Mm -hmm. understanding the impact that it has on our mental health and everything. So 
we are still at this point that everyone's, like you said, kind of just like, I'm just doing what I think I should be doing. Like, I'm just kind of like going with the, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing it, you know? Um, is sort of creating boundaries around how you use dating apps. So things that are really simple, you know, you could set a timer and create a boundary with yourself of how long you're on dating apps for each day. Um, honestly, I wouldn't recommend more than 20, 30 minutes because if you mm. swipe with intentionality, you message with intentionality, you don't need to be on it longer than that. And that kind of goes into another tip I have, which is focus on quality over quantity. Don't message like a ton of people or like, swipe until you have like 20 matches lined up on your queue and everything. Like just focus on three to five people at a time and really get in quality conversations. And, uh, you know, as long as someone seems like they want the same things from dating, like focus on getting off the apps uh, because a lot of times, you know, people stay on the yeah. apps for way too long. Um, so those are like the two things. It's like limit how long you're on the dating apps and be really intentional about it. Don't just be like, oh, I'm on my break at work or I just got home. I'm going to swipe real quick or just get on, you know, like be a little bit more intentional with it. Um, and then yeah. also just focus on more quality over quantity because I know that can be really tempting to just try and it's also like a validation thing, right? Like if you're not careful, you can be like, oh, I'm feeling crappy today from work. I'm going to get on my phone and swipe. And like, depending on how many matches I get is whether or not I'm going to feel better <laughs> about myself. And I hate to admit that, but I'm sure just about anyone on the dating apps can uh, see the truth. And we we want yeah. to get that validation. It feels so much better to take a look and see 20 matches than one match, of course. Mm-hmm. But I love what you say because it's so true when you say quality over quantity. It's just like that with anything in life. We know that to be true. We know that in the end, for most of us, we are looking for um monogamous relationships. And and I should say it it differs, you know, some people are practicing polyamory and whatnot, but for the majority, uh, we are looking for one person. So why do we need to get to the one person and also have a hundred matches for us to like the dating apps? It's, I don't think those need to go hand in hand. So thank you for that call out as harsh as it may be. Um, And, you know, I was actually thinking about this too, because I, talk about the work life in a, in a total different setting here, We're talking about my professional life and how we get so burnt out with checking our outlook and even just being on the job and doing this 24 seven or, you know, Monday through Friday, every day a week. Um, burnout is a huge thing that happens just with my colleagues, with my friends. You see it all the time. It's, it's in the news. Do you think that, mm-hmm. do you think we can get burnt out with dating apps? Oh, 100%. I mean, it just, it still like blows my mind if we can just kind of think about how much we were exposed to before. And this isn't supposed to be like, oh, everything was better when social media wasn't around. No, but we're just exposed to so much. And our brains aren't even meant to ever have seen this many like eligible single people (laughs) our age at one time. It's just so wild. Like it's so overwhelming for our brains. So 100%, like, are like we become dysregulated when we get onto apps because it's overwhelming, it's confusing, there's so much uncertainty. So dating app burnout can 100% happen. And I you know a, a really great way to understand if you're if you're feeling it or not is if you're every time you get onto apps you're like, "Oh, here we go again." Or 
you're the type of person who deletes and redownloads a lot, you know, not like I'm saying you delete it for like three months and then you redownload. Um, unless that's a recurrent cycle, then maybe. But mm-hmm. if you're like the if you're the type to delete it on a Monday, redownload it on a Saturday, stuff like that, you're probably burnt out. That's your that's your, you know, your subconscious trying to tell you that this is yeah. not an enjoyable experience. It's just something that you think you have to be on. Um, so yeah, dating app burnout can 100 percent happen. Especially um, when you compare it a little bit to your work life, we all know when we get burnt out and that's our sign to take a break, take some PTO time, take a mental health day, whatever you can do. But same can happen with anything in our lives, especially dating apps, which are in the similar category to social media in a way. So um, I love that you at least acknowledge that, yeah, you can be a little bit burnt out. And instead of being mad at the burnout, maybe. I think it's probably just a sign that we need to take a pause. You can actually, I found this out pretty recently, take a pause, at least on some of the apps where your profile basically just disappears for a little bit. And when you're ready to go back on, it'll push you back out there and you won't miss anything. So there you go. People with FOMO or fear of missing out of dating, they can rest assured. That it'll still be there. Exactly. Um, so, okay. Well, dating apps are a big part, at least of the initial dating phase. Um, for those who are just getting on those first couple of dates with somebody, what do you think that we should look out for while getting to know somebody new? Yeah. So a big thing that I think is super important and, you know, a lot of the dating advice I give is for more anxious people, but I'm going to try to be also very general here, but a big thing is just how do you feel around the person? You know, sometimes we'll be like so caught up in the fact that they have a great job or they're really cute. We're totally overlooking that for whatever reason, we are not comfortable with this person. We're super anxious. We feel kind of insecure. And maybe that's because you're not realizing that the person's actually a little bit judgmental or they make jokes at your expense and it's actually making you feel really uncomfortable. So just even just like the vibe of the person when you're with them on the first few dates is so crucial in telling if you have, uh, if you're compatible or if you feel comfortable around the person. Um, and then some other things that you can focus on are, you know, I talk a lot about emotional availability so you can see how they respond to talking about feelings. If they ask you questions about yourself, if they're, you know, open to talking about things like, oh, let's, when are we planning our next date? If they are like, oh, you know, like, let's, we'll talk about it later, or whatever. Or if they're like interested in talking about it on the next or on the date about the next date. Um, things like that. I'm trying to think of like other emotionally available, you know, are they interested in introducing you to their friends, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, you know, people think that you have to have like hot, but oops, sorry. Sorry. My dog just wagged her tail and scared me. (laughs) Um, You think that you have to have things in common like hobbies and uh, things like that, but it's actually, those things aren't as important. I tell people to get really clear on what your core values in life are before you start dating because that's the stuff that really matters. And once you get really clear on that, like if family is really important to you, are they close with their family? Are they interested in learning about your family? Or if you know that ambition and drive is really important to you, um, ask about their work goals, see how they respond about those. What are their passions? Things like that. See, that's really interesting, especially when you say rather than focus so much on 
the hobbies per se, not that you can't, but it's more important to focus on, you know, their core values or who they are as a person. Um, I know when I talk to people about dating, sometimes they'll say, oh yeah, they've checked all my boxes or they hit most of my boxes. But I also think, what does that even mean? Because for me, I can just come up with a never ending list of of boxes, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to check all of them. So how would you help somebody figuring out what those important things are and how would you differentiate between things that are absolutely important to you to date them? Or maybe these are just boxes that are there for no reasoning. Yeah. Okay. So this is a really great thing because I always say like, I used to have the same thing that the checklist and my checklist mm-hmm. was ridiculous, like must love Harry Potter, can't have divorced <laughs> parents. Like where was I getting those things from? I have no idea. Um, Harry and- Potter sounds fair to me, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My, it's actually funny. My boyfriend only likes the first three and I'm like, what are you talking about? The fourth one is the, is the best. Oh, anyways. <laughs> I digress. Um, so how to determine, you know, I like to put it even more simply is like, what's a pet peeve versus what's a deal breaker? Because a lot of times people will be like, oh, a deal breaker is they chew with their mouth open or they don't like uh, movies. And I love movies. Like it's not, no, no, no. What really matters is, like I said, those values. So really getting clear on what really matters to you in life. Um, you know, what, what do you prioritize most in life? What qualities about yourself do you love most? Um, and then you can kind of reverse engineer how you could tell if someone also values those things. Um, and also reflecting on your dating life, like at what qualities in the people you dated made you feel the best? Like what qualities, um, made you feel like you could be most yourself and then also the opposite of that. Like, when did you feel the worst? Like, who did you feel the worst around? What qualities about them made you feel the worst? I always used to say that I really enjoyed dating like out, uh, outgoing, confident men. Um, but then when I reflected on it, I was like, but I always felt really insecure around mm. them. And it wasn't that I was a- attracted to confidence. I was attracted to cockiness. And that ego part of it actually is what triggered me and made me insecure. And so people could be like, oh, you just work on yourself and don't be insecure. And I'm like, or I could work on myself to not be insecure and also not date people who trigger that in me. Um, So then I can be like, okay, you know, I, so what's the opposite of cockiness? I value humility. I value people who are humble of which my boyfriend um, embodies both of those. So kind of, you know, the two things is reflecting on your past dating life, understanding what what you felt good at around what you didn't feel good around. Um, I'm blanking what my other tip was. And then also understanding what your core values are and kind of understanding how you can see if the other person also values those things. That is such good advice. And especially the part about um, focus on the way someone makes you feel, because I think we can all be guilty of that. Like you said, um, yeah, I like this person that has this, cockiness era or aura about him. But in reality, I don't feel the best around this person, or I feel more Mm -hmm. empowered when I'm with somebody who's a little bit more humble or has these other qualities. So it's really understanding yourself and what makes you feel good. And sometimes that can align. Like sometimes that might be the person who's really outgoing, really charismatic. You might like that. And that also makes you feel good. Great. Then that's probably what you're into. But when there's Mm -hmm. that misalignment on the two, I think what you said, it can show a gap between the types of person, people that you're 
pursuing. Um, yeah. So on that topic, how do you find that, how do you embrace who you are and how do you embrace who your partner is without trying to change one another too much? Yeah, this is also a really good question because people are always like, oh, am I trying to change them, right? Like this mm-hmm. this idea of change and changing someone is um, has a negative connotation for good reason, right? Like there's like two people's core, like they are who they are and there are per- certain parts of them that just cannot be changed, right? Like you cannot change someone who is scared of commitment and suddenly make them want commitment. That's like a lot of work they need to do on their own with therapy. Um, if they even want to change some people, maybe they mm-hmm. just don't want commitment for the rest of their life. Who knows? Um, they don't have to change. Um, so, but certain things like, I'm, I'll give an example. Like, I, when my boyfriend and I first started dating, um, we talked a lot about love languages because obviously the work I do, the stuff comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talked about how words of affirmation is my love language. And, you know, he was good with words um, in, a, in a general sense when we first started dating. But as time went on, I was like, okay, words of affirmation definitely is not his thing. Like he's not good at it. His family didn't um, use them and, and when he was growing up and everything. So he's not mm-hmm. used to it. So we talked about it. We worked on it. We found ways that he can get better at it. And I don't want to say like, oh, I also didn't work on anything. Like there's other things I also worked on. But for him, this is just an example of like some change that he could make to better the relationship and to better love each other. Now, if I had been like, oh, um, you are, let's see, you work at... And this is no judgment to anyone's uh, chosen profession, but you work at a McDonald's and I want you to go back to school. And really, you've talked about going back to school, like go back to school, become a lawyer, like you always talked about, you know, like trying to make them all of a sudden this ambitious person and like this huge change about who they are. Like that's the change that uh, you can't really create for another person. They have to want it for themselves. And that's where it can get, that's where you can build like resentment between each other. Um, and I guess like even if we're doing an example that's more to the core of the relationship, um, someone who's completely uninterested in becoming emotionally available. You know, if you want to create more emotional availability in your relationship, you want to talk about feelings more and everything, and your partner just has no interest whatsoever, that's another like, found. they're just fundamentally different and you're trying to change that like core of who they are and they don't want it from themselves. Um, I don't know. I feel like I just kind of went around in circles. No, I, hope that makes sense. I guess the, you know, the, the, yeah, the overarching theme of all of that is just like someone has to want the change for themselves. Um, and the change that you want to bring around hopefully is to better the relationship rather than change who they are in their personality. Yeah. Well, right at the beginning, you even mentioned that um, like love languages, I think it's from what I am hearing, it's always something we want our partner to do a little bit more of. So there's a difference between something like that, where you're allowed to express, hey, I'd like to see some more words of affirmation or this, and watching them make the effort to make that change versus, okay, this is what they love. This is, these are their core values and beliefs. This is what they like to do for on their free time. And as their job, we shouldn't try to change that because that's who they are. And mm-hmm. you're dating them because that's who they are. We don't need to change all of these aspects of them. Likewise, you're your own person and you don't need them to change 
everything about you. Right. So, yes. Well exactly. put. Just basically paraphrase. <laughs> yeah. Paraphrase what I said into a much more digestible pill. No, yeah. it's it's so good too because um I think that's a big thing when we start dating someone or, I mean, we all notice it. We're just judgmental people to, not to a fault, but we're, we're learning about a new person. We're thinking, you know, are these qualities that I can tolerate or Mm -hmm. accept maybe, um, or are these things that I'm just going to build up a resistance to and want to change about them all the time? And I think that's for a lot of people where there can become conflict in the relationship and just this tension and pressure. Yeah, exactly. And that made me think of another example. And I only use, I I use examples in like all the dating advice I give because I just feel like it's more uh, relatable, but um, my boyfriend plays video games and I see so many TikToks about like, oh, if they play video games, don't, don't date them. Like it's like the worst thing for relationships. And I am not going to be like, oh no, they never are. Like it can cause divorces. I know Mm. someone who's gotten divorced over video games. Um, But getting into the relationship, I knew that I was fine with it. And if there's ever an issue, you know, like we talk about it, we create boundaries around video games and everything. But for me, I actually, I'm like, cool. My boyfriend like connects with his guy friends every single day on video games. Like that's pretty dope in, in my opinion. But for some people, they might date someone and be like, heck no, like I don't get it at all. I'm not interested in getting it. Like you need to stop playing, like wasting your time on something that's so bad for you. Like get off. Like that would be a fundamental core difference between two people. That's only going to build resentment. And like, you shouldn't have, like your partner shouldn't have to stop playing video games. Um, If you're not into it, that's just like, yeah, that different, that fundamental difference. Yeah. And I think it's so important what you said. They, if they tell you something upfront, that's who they are. You, you when they show you your tr- their true colors, you know, that's who they are. And I think at the beginning of dating, sometimes we overlook these things and just hope maybe six months to a year yeah. that things will magically change and just get exponentially better. Do you find that is not the case or is the case? Or uh, what do you think about those key moments at the beginning of a, of a dating or courtship? And do you think that they change or just... Yeah. So that's like like the potential and everything. Um yeah, I always say date what's in front of you because you never know if it's going to if it's going to actually change. You have to date what someone's presenting and saying to you. Um I mean with the you know, you could be like, "Oh, well, I hope this potentially links to a long-term relationship." 100%. Like that's not the potential <laughs> I'm talking about. Is someone telling you like, "Hey, I'm not a serious relationship kind of person." You're like, "Well, I hope, you know, that like if they get to know me and everything, like they'll change their mind." No, like you have to, pres- you have to date what someone is putting on the table when you first meet them. Yeah. Cause that kind of hoping that change happens is where it gets tricky. It is hard. And a lot of us, we see the best in people or we see what could be. And we have this whole romanticize- romanticization of this life and this potential partnership with them. Um, and I would say I can be guilty of this at times, especially those of us who quote unquote identify as hopeless romantics or just these people that at the end of the day want a romantic connection that's long lasting. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but what is your opinion on this idea of hopeless romanticism? And do you think it's harmful or do you think it's okay to some extent? Yeah. So I definitely think it's okay to be a romantic, right? To want to like those things, to know that that's what um, you desire some of in a relationship. The part where it gets tricky is if you 
are a hopeless romantic for these idealized narratives that maybe you saw growing up of like the happy happily ever after or someone will come and save you or your life will finally uh, mean something once you're in a relationship. Like that's where it becomes an mm-hmm. issue. Or even like you said, where um, with the rose, like basically rose colored glasses on at the beginning of dating, like you ignore red flags because you, you see this potential. You only focus on all the, the, the feelings and the emotions more so rather than the facts. Um, that's where it can be, become an issue. Um, yeah. I still always love the idea of just, you know, these beautiful, uh, romantic idealistics. I think it's also important to be um, realistic at the same time. And, and, and it's not just going to happen like with a snap of the fingers. Right. Um, exactly. So I guess the whole podcast is about being bold. And I wanted to ask you this question because I know we're getting close to the end of time here. Um, how do you think people can show up a little bit more boldly in their dating lives? Yeah. So show up with, okay, how, how am I going to phrase this? Um, the parts of yourself that you're tempted to hide in dating, don't hide them. Let those be the things that you put at the forefront. And so to put that in a more, uh, in a better understanding, if you really love, okay, say we're going to go to the video games. You love video games, put that in your dating profile. You love going to Comic-Con, put it in your profile. You have children, put it in your profile. You know, like don't do this thing where a lot of people are like, oh, this could be the reason that someone doesn't want to date me, so I'm going to hide it. No, that should be, again, like you're not for everyone. Um, Everyone's not for you. You're not for everyone. And it only takes that one person, like you said. So you want that from the get-go, you want to put those things out there that are unique to you so you can find that person who either enjoys the same things as you or just like values those things in you rather than feeling like you have to make yourself smaller to fit into other people's dating lives. So to date bolder, put those things that make you uniquely you at the forefront of your dating life. Talk about them on the first dates, put them in your dating profiles. Don't feel like you have to like hide who you are to be uh, quote unquote, like dateable. Uh, Yes. I love that. Especially because at the end of the day, they're going to see who you are with time. And that's the Mm -hmm. worst feeling is feeling like someone likes you for this idea or this facade that you've made of yourself versus the person that loves video games on a Friday night or whatever it might be, you know, people Mm -hmm. want to date you for you or you're just not their cup of tea. So I love that dating advice. I think it's just so applicable. Um, Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. I I think we just got so many good pieces of information from you. Um, I'm excited to continue to just follow you and learn more about how to show up even better uh, in dating and in relationships. Um, To close it off, can you tell uh, listeners where to find you? on social yeah. media. So I am on TikTok and Instagram under the same username, which is Kirsty Taylor, K-I-R-S-T-I-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R-R, two R's at the end. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok and all my links are there and everything. Beautiful. Well, it was so wonderful talking to you. Uh, thanks so much. Thank you.